Amen. Amen. Praise all to our God. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. A couple of things. So first of all, uh, that was a real bowling ball. And uh, second of all, maybe you want to think twice if you, before you volunteer for an object lesson today to come up on stage with me. Uh, secondly, or thirdly, maybe, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Good to be in that club for the first time uh, this year. Uh, it's been exciting. Uh, yeah. And we, uh, we also know that, man, today, as we always say, like, that it's a beautiful day in a lot of ways, but also a complicated day for a lot of us for a lot of different reasons. And we recognize there is only one truly good, good father, and that's our Father God. And, and all of the grace, all of the, uh, the, the hope that we have is bound up, not in any one of us. I will not be a perfect father. Like, no matter how hard I try, I need God's grace. I'm a finite uh, person, a recovering sinner. We're all dependent on the one who, only one, who is good, and that's God, our heavenly father. So we, we recognize that. But, man, we, I, I am saying, having said that, I, um, this, is, this was the best, like, father shirt I had, like the most dad-like shirt. I still, I got to work on my game. I thought about doing the, the, the uh, shorts with, the, like, the knee high socks with the argyle like mismatching we're gonna some of the dads are like shut up um so man we're glad you're here today we are talking a little bit about fathers but really i want to start off talking about uh my my journey as a husband uh so jill and i were married three years and 11 days ago give or take like an hour um i still remember even after all these years uh what that wedding day was like uh my favorite moment of that day standing up there with the pastor, anxious anticipation, like checking my breath for that first kiss moment, right? Uh, Then it happens. The doors open. Seeing her for the first time, dressed in white, on her father's arm, walking down to be given to me until death does us part. You know, the, 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 it was like a rom-com moment. The music swells. Like I'm pretty sure she floated down the aisle to me. It's my version of the story. I still remember how I felt in that moment. Um, it's cool. One of the cool things, ca- capturing some of those via camera. Like the anticipation, the butterflies. Like, man, I didn't know somebody could look that stunning. Uh, the, the excitement, like for the wedding night, we'll just leave that over there. <laughs> the nerves, like, man, what if she looks at me and, and, and correctly turns around and runs for the hills, right? The tears and the pure joy of like, I get to spend the rest of my life with this woman. And here's the beautiful truth, guys. I've just been so compelled this week, and I just want to meditate on and, and, be ch- and us to be changed by this simple uh, idea that this is how Jesus looks at us. This is how he sees his bride. When we turn to him for rescue from our sin, when we walk down the aisle to be made one with him forever, he doesn't roll his eyes, he doesn't turn up his nose, he doesn't yawn. Like The way that I looked at Jill is a mere scratch on the surface of the way that our bridegroom looks at his bride now and forever. We've been doing this this last month, this four-part series called True Belonging, and we're just asking the question, what does it mean to belong to the family of God, God and his people? Uh, Week one, we said, how do we identify as we become a part of this family? And we looked at the true heart behind baptism and what that really stands for and means for our walk with Christ. Then last week, Pastor Ross took us through, okay, now that we are a family, what is our identifying marker as his people? And we said, it's the the communion, the bread and the cup centered around, again, not not about the, the, the bread and the cup, it's about 
Jesus and what he has accomplished for us and how he binds us together. And this morning, we want to ask the question, how do we love that family? So now that we are identified as his people, what does love look like uh, in this family? And for that, we don't make up those ideas. We say, what does God say in his word about this? And Jesus, talking to his early apprentices, his disciples, he says this in John 13, I give you a new command, love one another. Now, if you start at the beginning of the Bible, you're like, that's not new. Like all through the Old Testament, we're told, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the new part. He says, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. How do we love each other? The way that Jesus loves us. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This will be our identifying marker in the world, is the way that we love like Jesus loves. So this morning, if we're going to ask, how do we love? We ask the question, how does Jesus, the bridegroom, love his bride? And Ephesians 5 gives us two analogies for that that we're going to center in on this morning. Uh, Verses will be on the screen, but Ephesians 5 is where we're going to camp if you've got your Bibles with you. Number one, and there are fill in the blanks in the bulletin. If you didn't grab one, uh, like David said, out in the foyer, you can grab a copy. Uh, Number one, as Jesus loves us as a groom loves his bride. Uh, Ephesians 5, talks about this. read this passage at Richie and Jessica's wedding this last Saturday. Uh, Verse 25 of Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He gives this call to how husbands and wives are to interact with one another, but then he says this down in verse 32. This mystery is profound, and marriage is a mystery, hallelujah, but I am talking ultimately here about Christ and his church. As meaningful and as important as the marriage relationship is, it is a shadow of the reality of Jesus and his bride, the church. And so two things that we see in this passage about how the bridegroom loves his bride, the church. A, he gave himself for her. He gave himself for her. So at the altar, when I gave myself to Jill... Uh, staring at her military backgrounded father. That was fun. Uh, I offered myself to her. I said, I, I intend to give myself fully to you until death parts us. I didn't say, well, I'll be pretty faithful to you like Monday through Friday, right? Then I'm going to do me on the weekends, right? Join that pastor's club scene. That's crazy. Uh, I, I'm going to, no, like I am here every day and every, uh, devoting all of myself to you. All of my time, all my energy, my emotion, like fully present. And, and not just a, like, I, I won't divorce you on paper, but to say my intention is for you to become the unrivaled passion of my heart. And if some other fool tries to mess with you, you're going to have to go through this guy, right? Yeah, it's scary. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus is a faithful, zealous husband who looks at his bride and says, I'm giving all of me to you. Like, not, not just like, I'll, I'll love you till I'm bored or I find another church that comes along that I love more than you. Like, it's you and only you forever. And, and, and we see this beautiful, he says he loves the church. That word there is the agape love. And I love um, in the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is my favorite children's Bible. I'm excited to read that to Lucy. And this is not just for kids, by the way. Adults get a lot. This is a beautifully written uh, storybook Bible. But Sally Lo- Lloyd-Jones, who wrote this, this is how she talks about God's covenant love through Jesus in, in, in this uh, version. She says it's a never stopping, never giving up, 
unbreaking, always and forever kind of love. And this is the love that Jesus has for his bride. It's not, it's not a love that takes off weekends. It, it's a love that never quits, it never wavers, it never weakens. The church is the un, unrivaled passion of his heart, the apple of his eye. I love John Mark Homer. He says, he defines love this way. Love is a compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another. This is one of my favorite definitions of love. To delight in another's soul. How beautiful is that? Compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another and to will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. And what I love about this, this opening phrase, this compassionate commitment. So it is a commitment. Jesus doesn't just love us when he's feeling it, riding some emotional high. There's a devotion, a commitment. I am in. It's a choice, but it's also a compassionate commitment. That this isn't just outward, like, fine, I'll serve you because my father told me to. Like, there is compassion. He cares for us. He loves us, like, emotionally invested. And how do we know that he is compassionately committed to us? We look no further. The proof of love is found on the cross. That Jesus gave himself, like, literally gave his life, his own body to be whipped and to be broken and to be crucified he put our good ahead of his own, no matter the cost to himself. That's our savior, you guys. He gave himself for his bride. The second thing we see here is that he cleanses her. He cleanses her. So when I was uh, still in my early 30s looking for a wife, uh, I, it was kind of hard to know, okay, what do we do now? I'm in small town, Alaska. There's not just like pools of singles hanging out, meeting each other, right? So uh, I started to go, well, should I go on, th on the web? And there's all sorts of interesting Christian dating sites. Just beware. There's one called equallyyoked.com. You, you can't make this stuff up. There's also Christian Mingle. And I, <laughs> I found this this week. It's, Christian Mingle says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is here. <laughs> and, and if you sign up now, you'll get 30% off your spouse, right? That's kind of like I, Jesus for sure would be flipping over tables at ChristianMingle.com. I mean, come on. This is insane. What are we doing? But Jesus, when he was picking out his bride, he didn't jump on ChurchMingle.com and go, okay, well, who's compatible for me? And that one, like, well, you know, they're not quite rich enough. They don't have a good enough job. That one, <laughs> nice personality. You know, like he's not looking around going, no. Jesus chose us, a group of jacked up, rebellious, sinful, runaway brides. And not because of how lovely we are, but he chose us in order to make us lovely in his sight. This is what it says, verse 25. Christ gave himself for her to make her holy. Not, not because she is holy. Hey, I finally found a holy group of people that are just like me. No! He found an unholy group, and he's now to be in the process of making us holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. What a beautiful truth. And here's the beautiful implication. Like, Jesus doesn't bail on us when we inevitably mess up, right? Because he's compassionately committed to us. Even when we are unfaithful to him, he remains faithful to us. In fact, that's the whole point. Like that he loves us, not because of who we are, but in, who, in order for, to help us become who we were called to be by God. And that's why in this definition of love, to will another person's good ahead of our own. Jesus wills our good. Like he wants us to grow and become healthy and to be like our Father, and to enjoy the, the, the better path of life that walks in, in love. He didn't stumble over our imperfections. 
Like he's here with us in sickness and in health for better or for worse when we obey and when we disobey. We have our flaws. In fact, that's the point, right? Jesus died to rescue us, to save us, to clean us. Our wedding dress, our wedding dress didn't start white. And Jesus is committed to us. He's not casually dating the church. He's married. He gave himself to us unto death. And therefore, we ask ourselves, is that how I love the church? Do I love the church like Jesus loves the church? I, I was, it was an, a convicting thought this week to think about, like, what if Jesus loved the church the way I currently love the church? Man, that, that would, we would be hopeless, right? I don't have that, that kind of love, that never giving up, never breaking love. I'm, I'm, a, I'm still uh, very much self-centered on a day-to-day basis. But then how invigorating to think, what if I loved the church the way that Jesus loves the church? Now, guys, we can't do that apart from him, right? He's the vine, we're the branches. Jesus said, Jesus said without me, you can't do any of this. Only by his grace, as we behold Jesus, will we start to become like Jesus, love who Jesus loves, and love how Jesus loves. So what does this, what does this look like, loving, loving the bridegroom and then loving his bride like he does? Well, that brings us to our second point, as a person loves their body. Jesus loves us as a person loves their own body. Um, so think about how natural it is to care for ourselves, like big self-care movement these days. Um, if I have a scratch, I'm not like, hmm, should I itch it, right? I don't have, that's instinctual. I'm not continually forgetting to f- feed myself. Like, oh, I mean, I just keep giving away food to all the, all the people that are hungry, and I never forget, I always forget about me, right? No, of course not. Like, we are naturally, instinctively caring for our own body by and large. And this is what Paul says in the next verses. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, because we're now one flesh, right? She's a part of us. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it. He says it is natural for us to care for and provide for our own bodies. And in the same way, that's how we're to care for others. That's how I am to love Jill as my wife. That doesn't mean that I follow her around, like, scratching her itches, like, feeding her like I feed myself. Here comes the airplane, right? That'd be creepy and weird, right? Well, what we're saying is it should be as naturally instinctive, become, in process, naturally as instinctive to care for her as to care for myself. So practically, that means, like, when she's having a bad day, that I would be as bummed out for her and, and, and be as hoping that she will find rest and joy in Jesus as if I was the one having the bad day. So he, he, find, he loves us as his own body. And, and the principle here is that Jesus provides and cares for the church, his body. Uh, he says in verse 29, no one ever hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church since we are members of his body. It says Jesus cares for us as if we were his own body because we are. (laughs) That's why we're called the body of Christ, which is so beautiful. And not only is this encouraging for us to know that our Savior provides all that we need. He cares for us tenderly, but it also should encourage us that we, the church, and remember, the church is not a building. The church is a people, that we are to love each other. We are the visible expression of Jesus here on earth. You and I are Jesus' fingers and toes and eyes and elbows. We are the thing. We are Jesus with flesh on to the world around us. And that leads us to two important truths. Number one, we have purpose. Like You and I have purpose, and that's to care for one another. This is what 1 Corinthians says. All the members of Jesus' body care for each other 
other. We are called to care for one another as his body. Ephesians 4. Their responsibility, talking about the leadership of the church, is to equip God's people, his body, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Our job is to build each other up. What does that look like? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If we're going to become like Jesus, if we're going to become holy like our God and loving, then it requires us caring for each other, helping each other grow, encouraging one another. And you imagine going back to John Mark's definition like, if we delighted in each other's souls that way, if we put each other's good ahead of our own, no matter the cost, like, can you just visualize that for a moment? Like, what would it look like here at Peninsula Grace if I said, I am as invested in you becoming like Jesus, you being encouraged by his word, you learning how to live out your purpose, as though it's me, myself, that we're just instinctively scratching each other's itches. It gives us purpose to care for one another. It also gives us significance because the Bible also shows us that each part of the body, each part of the body is absolutely vital. So I grew up a pastor's kid here at the church. Um, I was one day running behind the gym. Um, why? I, I don't know. I was a pastor's kid. What else are you going to do? So I'm running, and I'm running enthusiastically, okay? And as I'm running enthusiastically, uh, my thumb, <laughs> very coordinated child, uh, flies backward, and actually I stab myself in the eye. <laughs> With my, with my own thumb, right? And I scrape my eye. Doctor says I actually scraped a part of my cornea like out of my eyeball, right? So I'm sorry, some of you, that's a phobia. I see some reactions. Um, so in that moment, like my cornea is doing no good separated from the rest of my body, right? And it's also causing the rest of my body suffering. I have to put a patch over my eye. I was a pirate. Like, Judah would have been into that. So we, like, that was three days, kind of, you know, one eye. Like, we, all of my body parts were suffering because of my sweet cornea scraping move. We are created for and will only flourish to our God-given potential when we are using, as a part of his body, our gifts for the sake of the rest of the body. Like, off by ourselves, like that little piece of cornea, we're not doing any good, right? And the rest of the body suffers. Listen, when you're not utilizing your body part for the sake of the body, the rest of the body suffers for it. And in the church, man, we need all the gifts. Like, I think about our small group. Like, we need people who can lead the discussion times. We also need people who can, can welcome people in with hospitality. Like, we've seen this with Jill and I, like, to be a good team. Like, she wants no part of leading the conversation, Right? But I, you don't want me being the, the host, right? Like I, back in my bachelor days, I was the chip and drink guy. Like you don't want me cooking a casserole, you're all going to die. That, that was just how, and I would never host people in my little apartment. That wasn't how I, so now, man, as a team, we have different gifts, but working together can be beautiful. We need people here who can play music to lead us into worship, singing together. Some of you, we do not want anyone near this stage, right? <laughs> Stay in your lane. Some people teaching the Bible. We, we want people who can work with their hands. We're working on a deck project out there. You don't want me swinging that hammer. We have good listeners. in our. We need people who can pray for other people, people who can deeply encourage. We need people with different life experiences. There might be someone in this room that's hurting in a way that I can't really relate to, but this person over here went through a very similar life circumstance. Man, what a way that they can, you can encourage someone else when you've walked a similar road. This is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each, I love this, guys, and God has put each part just where he wants it. You are not where you are by mistake. You are not who you are by mistake. 
God designed you and he placed you where he placed you on purpose. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. We're not one big eyeball. Yes, there are many parts, but only one, but only one body. So maybe this morning it's asking yourself, who am I? Like, how has God designed me, wired me, gifted me, and how can I use that, not as a detached piece of cornea, but to love and care for and help the body grow and flourish? So cards on the table. This is why we're having this conversation this month. Like, I want, here, here's the call. So the call is to truly belong to the local body. Like, not just, like, the church, but, like, a local family of God. Like, that's what I want for all of us. And, and I'll explain why. He, Hebrews 10 calls us, says this way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So my hope up here this morning is to help motivate you through God, the power of God's word to love other people and to do good works for other people. And look at how he says this works. Verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. We can't love one another if we're not together, as some people do. There's a, especially in our culture today, it is not natural to get together with a group of people. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is not a game. Jesus is coming back, preparing the bridegroom for that moment. We need each other. One of the common objections I'll hear in this, in this realm is to say, well, you know what? I'm just a part of the capital C church, right? kind of the universal church, all the believers. You don't tell me I've got to be a part of a specific local body, right? Peninsula Grace or, you know, Kenai New Life or, or whatever, but imagine, think about as an analogy, and all analogies break down, but imagine if as a father, I was like, well, this week I'm going to father Lucy, and then, and then this next week I'm going to go father somebody else, right? I'll kind of bounce around, or Jill, I'm going to be husbanding you this week, and then next week I'll, of course not, right? Of course not. In Hebrews 13, it talks about it this way. Obey your leaders, talking to the local church, and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So there's this call as the body to place ourselves under the spiritual authority of these leaders of, of a church and for the leaders to do that well and to care for to care for the people God has placed under their leadership. Now, you think that's, that through for a second. Um, who's leading and who is being led? Like, so as a pastor, like, I can't be the pastor of every believer in Soldatna, let alone the entire world, right? That's not going to fit into my weekly schedule. That's outside of the scope. And just like, you, God is a God of order, and you're not under the leadership of every elder or pastor in the world, right? He orders things. That's like the physical family. So I have a, a specific family. Now, I'm called to love every person. I'm not just loving Jill and Lucy, right? I'm to love everybody I come in contact with as, as is available. But I have a specific relationship with my wife and my daughter, in the same way in the church, like we're called to love all people, Christians and non-Christians, right? It's not just, well, just people in my church. No, like, in fact, as a, as a local group of local churches, we want to do stuff together and be unified together. I want to push toward that, but there is a unique, specific relationship. We only have so much time, so much sphere to love specifically as we're called to here. When you look in the book of Acts and the New Testament letters, what do we see? Groups of families organized in these local churches under specific leadership and as a specific family. This, my call is like, let's commit to a local specific family to love other people, not in theory, but in reality. It's easy to just love Christians, right? But it's very different to love you. That's much harder to love a specific person, but it's much 
better and more beautiful. But hear my heart on this. This, this is the heart of belonging. We're not talking about outward behavior. Because I can call myself a member of a local church, and that doesn't mean I can call myself a bird and not be able to fly, right? God is after our heart, not just an outward conformity. This last Saturday, married uh, Richie and Jessica here at the church, right here on this stage, and it was such a beautiful moment, and was reminded of, like, when we put the wedding, when Richie put that wedding ring on, it's a symbol, right? This doesn't give him, like, some magical superhero, like, now all of a sudden he's, like, a Marvel husband that can, no. Like, he, this is a symbol. What matters is his heart that stays faithful to Jessica, And in the same way, we're not just here saying, yeah, you know, put your list, your name on a piece of paper, fill out a form, kind of go through the outward motions. Jesus is after our heart, not just being on some spreadsheet. A heart that loves Jesus and therefore loves who Jesus loves, his church, the body. So we have to ask ourselves, am I as committed to the body of Christ as Christ is? Am I here in sickness and in health to help the family grow, to help the family heal? Not just bail when it gets hard, bail when I get bored, bail when someone didn't treat me exactly how I wanted to, bail because they don't have the exact right song list on a Sunday morning. Listen, and and again, please hear me, right? I know I'm walking a tightrope here. There's a time and a place to leave a church. I'm not saying, like, so if they're not preaching the gospel, like of Jesus, that's not a church. That's That's not a church centered around Jesus, right? If it's a false gospel, no, don't go there. Or maybe you've just physically moved to a new location. Right? You don't commute all the way back to that other state, right? No. And, and maybe you as a family, you're making these considerations of our kids and where we're at in our season of life. And sometimes we make a move to a different church. Or there's something unhealthy that's, that's, not, that's past the point of, of, of realistic reconciliation or whatever. But here's the, the point is, the heart of this is to be faithful to a local family. Not this kind of self-centered flavor of the week church shopping. I'm going to move on. I'm going to get real in trouble here. So what does, what does meaningful belonging look like here at our body? I think it's to say I am compassionately committed to Jesus first and foremost, and therefore this specific family that he loves. I want to love them like he loves them, to, to love one another. 59 times in the New Testament we are called to one another to love one another, to serve one another, to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, to motivate one another. These one another's, and I love the way that Andy Stanley says this, because we can't one another in rows. So like we can't, so if we're just sitting, if this is all we do, right? What we're doing right now is good. I love this church, looks like a lot of fun. Um, We can't, like we can't, we can't flesh out all these one another's if we're just sitting in, in rows. And so what the call here is to go beyond Sunday morning, right? Church is not something you attend. Church is a family that you are. That's what we're called to be. As a family, we worship Jesus together. We learn how to grow healthy with one another. We participate in each other's lives. That involves getting into each other's homes, doing things together, sharing each other's burdens and joys, sorrows and victories. Sharing, probably the hardest thing is to give our time to other people, to share our resources with each other. It's not being a passive consumer that's just flipping through the church channels, but to be an active participant. So our vision here at the body, like, and we're not, not about outward programs. You can go through the motions, right? But the heart of it, we got to create spaces for intentionality in our day and age more than ever. So kind of how it works here, like we have our big circle, the worship service, that's what we're doing right now. And we need this. This is an important, this is our pep rally. Every week, 
We come together. Like part of this is just committing to come here every week when it's possible and worshiping Jesus. I don't know about you, but my heart needs to be reoriented to Jesus every week, actually really every day, right? Because of how prone my heart is to wander. So we recenter our hearts in Jesus as we praise God, as we hear from his word, as we step into life with one another. But then to really do the one, deeper one another's, we've got to go beyond the big circle. This, invi- this, this calls us into smaller, more intimate circles where we can actually get to know people, right? And so what does this look like here? Well, we have, we have these little circles called medium circles, called community groups. And these get together once a week. And we, we do, we break bread. We're in each other's homes. We're, we eat, pray, love, right? Julia Roberts would love that. Uh, we just do life together. So you actually build relation one another in those spaces. Also, we want to be on mission. So how do we serve other people? We have ministry teams where we come. And those are, that's not just even just about the ministry we're doing. So this ministry team up here, the worship team, it's not just about putting a song together. There's even discipleship going on within this circle of a team. And then how do we grow as a disciple in his word? We have learning tracks, again, smaller circles that study God's word together. We have a foundations course, an apprenticeship course. How do we walk through just growing according to God's word? And then even deeper than that, more, the most intimate place we have here is what we call discipleship triangles. And as the name would insinuate, these groups are three or four guys, three or four girls getting together and really being able to take the mask off. This is the space where you can really get down to the, the heart level. And to say, this is where I'm really struggling. This is, this is really helping each other grow, be formed by Jesus. There's, in the back, we have a welcome table with a contact card. Maybe you're going, how do I step into this? Fill one of those out. We'll get in touch with you. Um, and we take this stuff seriously. And so we want to give avenues to be able to walk in these deeper calls of compassionate commitment. It reminds us, man, we are created for something bigger than ourselves. And I'm here to say, I believe that is the better path better path, that each of us, probably even on a daily basis, honestly, or are, are kind of have this fork in the road moment, which, which way am I going to start to go today, or this week, or in this season of my life? One way we can go is what I would call the dead end of the consumer. So the consumer says it's about me and what I can get, and, and as the name implies, that's a dead end. And when we know this, right? And, and this, but this is the tempting lie that, that is so pervasive in our world and a whisper that, that earworms its way into our thoughts on a daily basis, that it's about you. We, we would say it this way. You do you, right? Look out for yourself, what you want, when you want it. We do that with pleasure. Pleasure on demand. Instant. Press the button. Get the pleasure. We do this with sex. That's pornography. It's sex on demand. Your way, your terms. We say just sleep around, and if that person doesn't make you happy, just kind of move on to the next person consumer-based pleasure. And we can, sadly, we do this with church very easily. Church on demand. I'm just going to flip through YouTube till I find the guy that's right. I mean, agrees with me. I mean, right, right? I'm going to kind of come when it's convenient. I'm going to be a part of this body when it fits my schedule, when I get something out of it. And then if I don't like everybody here, I'll just move on to the next one. That self-focus that says it's all about me, I'm telling you, It's a dead end. I would say the better path is the path of the compassionately committed, the path of love, the path, the truth, according to Jesus. He tells us it's better if not you do you, but do unto others. So I think about this in my marriage. Like, I'm going to find more joy in dedicating myself to one woman for the rest of my life than going on some pleasure hunt, sleeping around, right? pornography on my terms, 
Is that going to be more joy? Is that going to be better? Or I envision, I envision our 50th wedding anniversary. And I think about their sitting there hand in hand, all wrinkly, smelly, right? Paul and Maggie, that was no, you guys are, you smell great. I'm not going to look back and go, man, I, I wish I would have been deeper into pornography at a year. Man, I wish I would have slept around. Man, I would have, no. That's the wife of my youth, 50 years, hard, hard years. But how beautiful. Jesus could have stayed up in heaven and said, you know what? I'm going to do me. I do me. I'm not coming down there, right? I'm, I got my father. I got the spirit. We're doing Trinity stuff, right? He was good. He didn't need us. Like, he could have done Trinity movie marathons, played Settlers of Catan or Settlers of Heaven or whatever you do up there with each other. He, he could have left us little rebels down here all by us, us, our own, but he chose the better path of self-sacrifice. The joy, Hebrews says, that was waiting for him on the other side of the cross, a new resurrection family. Jesus doesn't live for regrets. He goes, man, I wish I would have never come down and died for them. So where is there more joy? Which one is the better path? That God's not holding out on us. Go to church, you'll hate it, right? That's not, our God's not a killjoy. And I want to ask this, I'm already in trouble here probably today, so I just want to ask this question, and I mean this, I'm not being sarcastic, I'm not, but like if you've been walking the road, and we all do, I do this every day, if we're walking this dead-end road of consumer mindset, like me, 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 get, 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 like honestly, honestly ask your heart, how is that working out for you? Like, if that's been your mentality, if that's the way you see the world, is it actually making you happy? Like, if it's just, I'm going to work really hard at work so that I can get that bigger house, or go on more vacations, or get to the early retirement, or I'm going is, to, is that actually better? I'm going to chase the sun on the weekends, get the bigger boat, in my downtime, just kind of scroll through Facebook and Netflix. Like, is, and none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But if that's the end, to just consume, consume, is that actually making us happy? Is that satisfying us? These are fleeting things that will fail us miserably. They make terrible gods. Or we can take the path that at first seems a lot harder, thinking about other people. The messy, hard, tiring, frustrating, but beautiful work of putting other people before ourselves and loving Jesus and his bride like he does. And I imagine that day, like I think about that day when Jesus comes back. When the groom comes back for his bride and we're sitting there at the wedding supper of the lamb and we're laughing and we're recalling all the hard but like totally worth it years and we were on mission together and we were reaching the lost, like entering into that eternity of marital bliss and none of us is going to be sitting at that supper table with Jesus and each other and going, man, I wish I would have watched more Netflix. Man, I wish I would have gotten the bigger boat. So just let me ask you, like, what's the next step for you in this? Like, maybe, maybe it's taking that step and going, I want to be a part of this body. I want to be a part of this body. I want to, I want to do this thing. And in and, uh, and, and your uh, bulletin handout thing, there, there's the, web, the same websites there. It's just a first step. Listen, we're not checking boxes here. We, we've tried to make this a meaningful process that's relationally driven. That's really, what does it mean to be a part of the family here? Maybe it's even simpler. We have, you're going, I don't know how to get into those smaller circles. Like, how does that work exactly? Well, this fall, kind of making it easier, we have what we call Welcome Home Group. And this is an eight-week kind of, what does small group life look like? How do we do that? What is it about? And then who are we as a church? Kind of how do we step into that? In the next month or two, we'll be giving details on when that's going to start and how that's going to work. Maybe it's even simpler. Pastor Ross shared with us before. Like, maybe it's today. Just stay in 15 minutes afterward and doing the terrifying thing of talking to somebody you don't know. 
right? Or connecting with someone you do know and just spending a few minutes asking about them, thinking about them after you get your car washed, of course. Um, <laughs> loving the people around us. Maybe it's making that phone call that you need to make. Maybe it's setting up that coffee date. Maybe you've said, you know, as a family, we want to have this other family over. We just haven't got to it. Maybe this is the week to make that step. The call here is to love the church the way that Jesus does, as a groom does for his bride, as a body is by its own owner. True belonging is to be compassionately committed to Jesus and his people, the king and his kingdom, the, bride and his, the bridegroom and his bride, no matter the cost. And it will cost us. This is not the easier path, but it is the better path. So the question is, will we trust Jesus in his heart for us, that, the, that this is the better, more joyful way, the path of love, not of being the consumer? Would you pray with me? Father God, it's a hard word. I think about the, the spaces that this, this brings up in my own heart that I push back against. Just give us ears to hear this morning. Um, and we just start by looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. May we just, if nothing else this week, Lord, meditate and be changed by the way that Jesus loves us. As we consider his heart, as we see it in action in the Gospels, as he heals, as he forgives, as he touches and walks the road with broken sinners and rescues them through the cross and outside through the empty tomb. Father, as we behold the love that our bridegroom has for his bride, that we would be changed by that and that we would then become like Jesus, and love the people around us the way he does. And Father, the Holy Spirit does the convicting. I'm not here to bully anybody into anything. So I just pray that the Spirit, the gracious Spirit of God, would convict in those spaces today for the next step that needs to happen for my brothers and sisters here, or those that don't know Jesus yet, as Lord and Savior personally. Father, we know that we cannot do this on our own strength. It's not just looking to Jesus as a model, but he is the very power the blood coursing through our veins that enables us to do what he calls us to do. So, Father, we declare it's not I, it's Christ in me and through me. Therefore, all the glory to Jesus, because it's all by his grace for our good and for the good of those around us. Pray these things in the precious name of our bridegroom. And all God's people said.